0: Hello oh, and welcome to episode twenty-two of Uta Beer Podcast. My name is Raj Benz. I am your host. Joining me is Rory Benson. Rory, how are you? I'm I'm excellent, thank you. How are you today? I'm very fine, thank you very much. Obviously, it's been a, a nice post-Manchester United week, uh, but the games come they come fast in the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool well, up until next. an
1: international break next until week, the international week.
0: break, yeah. Well, everyone's looking forward to that, I'm sure. Aaron Moy definitely with his round trip to Honduras and back. But we'll we'll cross that body of water when we come to it. Um, if we start with club news, I think the biggest piece of club news is, what one that we sort of knew about but I've had confirmed now because there was sort of suggestions of whether or not he needed it, surgery or not, but Philip Billings out for three months, um, which isn't great. Uh, how do you think that's going to affect the, the team and the squad?
1: I think it probably will affect them more now because we saw the 4-3-3 work really well. Um, Obviously, he's played a lot of games already and and he's a crucial member of that town squad. But now that David Wagner has sort of shown that he can change his 4-2-3-1 system to a 4-3-3, you need three central midfielders for that. And if, if Jonathan Hogg... Um, Danny Williams or Aaron Moy get injured, it means that you're now looking at sort of Dean Whitehead as, as the next man in the central midfield, possibly Martin Craney as is, is a, a further backup to that. So, Phil Billing, you know, he's going to be a loss if there's another injury. He still is a loss already, don't get me wrong, but if there is another injury, it looks like David Wagner will have to go back to the 4 2 3 1, or he'll have to put some faith in, in players who haven't really played at all this season yet.
0: I think it puts the biggest stress on Aramoy, obviously, and we just joked about him having to go to Honduras and that. But the reason Billing started the Sunday game is because Aramoy was knackered having been in the last international break. So it's unfortunate that sort of one of the two real deep liner playmaking players we have are injured significantly for a, a good chunk of time because that really means that if Aramoy gets crocked, then town are desperately short in that area.
1: Yeah, and I'd add to that that in December the amount of games I think there's the same amount of games in December as, as there are in October and November combined. So that's I think it's about eight or nine games in one month. So you know Aaron Moy can't he can't play all of them physically can't because it, it you know it will inevitably catch up with him. Mm. So you need to be able to rotate. That means that you're gonna now have to probably go back to the four-two-three-one and, and
0: rotate between. Williams, Moy, and Jonathan Hawk. There is a case to be made that if Casey Palmer's back, this uh, international break that we've already joked about. We joked about that international break. It turns out it's fairly significant. Um, if he comes back, he can play as one of the three in the middle. Yes. Because uh, he's not, he, although he's a natural number 10, he's it's not beyond his capabilities to drop back and play within a three, especially if he's one of the two forward. So it is a, a case where he could play there. Sabiri as well, Louis Scott, Scott the screamer against uh, Leeds. He'll obviously, he's been out of the side, which is strange. Do you make anything of that? Is he, there's no talk of a knock or anything, but he, he played the first couple of times after his arrival and then hasn't been seen since. Is it just a case of him being put up to speed?
1: Yeah, I think so. It, it takes time to to bed players into into the team and also into sort of English football in general. Um, he's shown that he's got, a, you know, the the talents there. He just needs, you know, that little bit of time, hopefully. I think last week he was, uh, being the system that David Wagner played, I don't think he was really going to get a sniff at a, a starting role. Um, but there will be games where he'll be called upon this year because he has shown in previous matches that he can unlock defences.
0: Billing is, a, is an interesting character and this gives us a, a chance to sort of take stock of him in a, a wider context because he's, he's going to be missing and he's sort of the main news story of the week. What have you made of his season thus far? Because he, he does split opinion. It's not a split of opinion that I'm particularly fond of because he's one of my favourite town players to watch because he's you know, the type of intelligent footballer that sort of ticks the, the boxes for me. I'm the, the type of person that I'd rather watch a Luka Modric play than a Gareth Bale, for example. Um, and that's down to individual taste, I understand. Um, but why, where do you sit on the on, on that camp? Is it, is it a case of maybe some inconsistencies in his age are the reason why people don't find him to be as reliable as other players?
1: I think so. I th-
0: age obviously comes into it. I think there has
1: also been question marks over his sort of desire. I think he's he's gone somewhat to to answer those critics this season. I feel like he's put himself around a bit more this year. Uh, he's, you know, put 100% effort in, as everyone will do in, in playing in the Premier League. You want to put the best account of yourself out there. And re- he really has done that. I feel like he stepped up. It seems like he fits the sort of Premier League mould in a way. In a way, he's more suited to the Premier League than he is the Championship. Um, but yeah, it, I, I'm on your side of the fence here, I think he's a class player with a class touch. Um, and I think he'll go far. He just needs to keep producing as he has been doing. It's unfortunate that this injury has come where it has because I, I think he's had a good season so far. Um, but hopefully he can he can re- recapture that form when he comes back uh, in three months' time.
0: Do you know, I think those, those issues regarding attitude, I think is probably the, the umbrella term for it. Is that not down to do... Not, is that not more down, sorry, to maturity than anything else? Given his age, given the fact that you know it can't be easy coming from a smallish club in Denmark to another small club in Huddersfield after what, when you're 16 years old on your own—that's a big adjustment to make. It may just be a case that you know he finds it difficult to to motivate himself every game because he's not had a a complete run. In the team, he's either been injured as he's playing well or he's been taken out of the side because other players are in better form than he is. He's not really had 10 to 20 consistent games back-to-back to to really bed himself in like other players may have been afforded.
1: Possibly, but I think if you're in and out of the team, that should motivate you even more because you want to start every game. That's what every footballer wants to do. Um, I don't know. I, I think personally i don't see it as an attitude problem for him i just i think no. that's just the sort of player that he is i think he's personally i i think he's more of an advanced midfielder i, I could see him playing the number 10 role for town uh, i think we've mentioned it in a previous podcast that we do believe he's got the the sort of skill set to play there mm. and I, I i think possibly he, he's played a lot next to jonathan Hogg, which probably doesn't help because jonathan Hogg runs all over the place all the time yeah um i just think he's more of a he is that playmaker rather than someone who's going to buzz around and make things happen in, in that sort of way. It, in a way, it's kind of, although they're, they're very different players, it's kind of John Joe Shelby-esque in that Shelby doesn't move around the pitch that much, but he brings other qualities. Obviously, him and Billing have completely different qualities, but that's the sort of, I think, Billing, with the touch and the range of passing that he's got, moving around the pitch doesn't, isn't one of the bigger parts of his game compared to you know the likes of Jonathan Hogg and and Danny Williams as well and and to a probably a lesser extent Aaron Moy
0: it's an interesting comparison I, I, I see the parallels I think he's a, a more restrained player than Chelsea is I think there's, yeah, there's a,
1: yeah different different players but I think similar in sort terms of, of movement on the pitch than like if you if you looked at their at their heat map or something at the end of the game it could be Pretty similar because they play in similar positions for the teams, and you know that I think both of them have vision. Yeah. Um, By
0: extension, you can compare them to I think the the top top class players in the position are Javi's Javi Alonso. Yeah, exactly. Pirlo is probably the the peak version. Is you know they're not players who often spend much time outside of the center circle, but they run a game regardless. Exactly. Yeah. Um what we're gonna do now is we're recording this section before the press conference. We're gonna drop in a section now after the press conference, so it's gonna be a bit of a time jump, like back to the future, but by the miracle of editing it should be seamless. And then when you hear from us in this timeline again after that one, when we reintroduce ourselves, it's like inception. Um, we'll be talking about Liverpool. And here we are on the other timeline. In the future, in the past, I'm not quite sure. We're You've as confused taken as you us are, somewhere in your tardis. What <laughs> uh, well, doctor Ruiz from Wadersfield? Uh,
1: yes, that's that's correct. Well am not,
0: not quite Jodie Whittaker. I'm sure you'd much prefer talking to her, but anyone, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I deserve that one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, David Wagner press conference. Yeah. How was he feeling after that Man United win? Yeah, on
1: a high. Uh, he did say it was actually just a bit of an, an ordinary re- week that they've just had though. Um, I think the buzz of the weekend sort of wore off and although Danny Williams, also, who was also at the press conference, said um, that there's still been the buzz around a little bit, it's you know back to work, back to the training ground um, and back to sort of the analysis. Uh, he did say that he didn't need as much analysis this week because obviously he knows Jurgen Klopp, knows his style of football, so... Um, he said it was the first time that he wouldn't have to rely on the video department and they would have to rely on him sometimes. So, no, he was, he was in, in good spirit. Um, obviously, the win against Man United was, is going to do that to you and, and playing your, your best friend at the weekend also should uh, put a bit of a spring in your step. So, no, it was good. Um, he was on good form and, and Danny Williams as well was pretty pumped and, and looking forward to the weekend.
0: On a scale of zero to tedious, how were the clock questions?
1: Um, there was a multitude of them, probably five, six questions out of, it it was a a relatively short press conference today because of town's double training schedule that they had today. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's about five or six questions out of about 12 to 15. So Half of it. Half half to a a third of it. Did
0: we learn anything new?
1: No, I mean, not to plug Sky Sports here, but if you watch the Hearts and Minds program that they they put up it was Good pretty point. much over that it was everything like that, that they'd mentioned in there they just said again so mm. you know it was uh, slightly tedious but you know that's what you get with premier league isn't it really
0: yeah um it's usually a problem, but given this week, as we said before... It's, yeah, it let them off a bit. Yeah, it's the easy line, isn't it? It's the one that'll be... I'm surprised it's not on TV, because they're just, I'm, just kind of I'm really surprised. ...wet really themselves at being able to put together that montage.
1: Yeah, well, they did that one... The one programme, I thought they'd do, like, a whole big thing on it and have it as a Sunday... Uh, a, uh, sorry. Super Sunday, is what I'm trying to say. Um, you got there eventually.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, what else did he have to say for himself? There's injury updates on Kuchunga, who is fit, his back problem's not going to keep him out. Um, Kwaner's Kwanna. back as well,
1: which is joy to my ears. I love
0: Colin Kwana. Everyone loves Colin Kwanna. Um
1: And what else did he say? Casey Palmer's on course to be back after the international break. That's important. Uh, that is important. And he he mentioned the four three three and the four two three one. He wouldn't be drawn on what he was going to use. Um... He basically said that, hopefully, if he doesn't make his mind up to the last minute, then Liverpool won't know what he's going to use and that kind of thing as well. So it'll be the fourth three though. I think it'll be the fourth three. And also, one thing that, that he did mention, um, just to touch back on Jurgen Klopp for the zillionth time today, um, he did say that, although that's the narrative that people are going down, that's not the story he sees here. He sees the story as being Huddersfield Town in the Premier League playing against the likes of Liverpool, who obviously dominated English football for such a long period of time.
0: How complimentary of him, was he of his friend? Was he because I mean Liverpool aren't playing the greatest football in the world at the moment? I think he, yeah. he touched on the fact that they weren't great against Tottenham, and that
1: yeah, he said that the game against Tottenham that he saw was probably the the only time this season that they didn't hit sort of what you expect Liverpool to hit. Um, but he said they've had some. he's had some problem. They've had some problems defensively as well. Touched on that, but wouldn't again. Wouldn't get drawn about how he was going to try and look to sort of capitalize on that or anything. So it was um, point and laugh at Dejan Lovren. Well, possibly, but we don't <laughs> think he's going to play, do we? So I don't know. He was. He was. He thinks Liverpool have been playing well apart from Tottenham, um, and he was a bit cagey about how he would like to. To go about, you know, setting about Liverpool, but um, that's to be expected and that's like most weeks, isn't it really?
0: The sort of having Kachunga back, that's a strange one because he didn't really draw too much on what was wrong with his back, whether that's an existing back injury, if it was a new thing or not. It was a strange substitution at the time. I expected more to be made of it, but it was sort of just a, a comment in passing, which I wasn't really expecting.
1: Yeah, I think it was just something. I don't know if he picked it up on the day. A bit or not, DP but D P set him right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, obviously it's it's only taken him a week to get to get over it. So uh, hopefully, um, it'll be, do uh, you think it'll
0: he'll start? or We we discuss this later on. Yeah, yeah, because we know what's coming. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I don't know. I think it would be easy for David Wagner to to keep him out because he's had this minor injury, and also because Roger van der Parra played very well there. But I won't. I won't spoil the rest of the podcast for, for anyone. A, wait, is it... Did we talk about this later or did we talk about this earlier?
0: Later. Okay. You're getting See, lost, this is lost in the, the timelines. Yeah, so many timelines, man. <laughs> can't do it. Um, he also talked about... Um, moss leaving yes he did uh which is an interesting line because the the thing that i pulled out of it was that he said he'd be looking after it he said that the club are still looking for replacements and everything which is um sort of the club line but do you think there's any possibility that he will grow his position from head coach to manager
1: no i don't think so i think from what Obviously, again, he didn't go into detail on it because, you know, the club are looking for a placement and that kind of thing. But the vibe that I got from David Wagner made it seem as though it was Moss who probably went rather than him being pushed by the club and that right. kind of thing. So David Wagner said, "I'll I'll look after it. I'll manage the situation despite how desperate we are to despite if we are desperate to um, to bring someone back in. So I think we'll see someone else through the door at some point. Um, and to be honest, I think that's what I think that's what suits David Wagner although obviously you need a say in in recruitment and that kind of thing. He, I think his qualities as a coach, shouldn't be underestimated and uh, as much time as you can give him on the training ground is only going to benefit the club rather than him having to sit in his office and phone agents and that kind of thing I think just taking that away from him and look what it's done in the past as well it's proven to work so why would you uh, steer away from that
0: I think they should bid for Messi I think that would be my my suggestion Dane Hall's got the money after selling Card Factory 350 million that should do it yeah Probably. I think, I think that would probably just about get it, but then
1: Dean Hall would then end up having to sell the club, wouldn't he? Unfortunately.
0: But you'd have Messi, wouldn't you'd you? So. Messi. You'd sell a fair few shirts, I think. They don't have any, though. <laughs> That's also a good point. <laughs> I can imagine it's bad enough if they did bring him. Sorry, lads, we've run out of M's. Um, the, Danny Williams, if we move on to him, he was quite impressive, but you say he's... Quieter than you expected him to be.
1: Yeah, I, I guess just judging by his demeanor on the pitch, not only the way he plays, but you know you can see him shouting on the pitch. Um, you saw it when he played for Reading in the playoff final. He he led that team. He was you know a, a captain figure in the center of the park. Um, but yeah, and then you and you talk to him and he's got a German accent. He's very softly spoken, very very quiet. Um, so still had enough to say for himself, but wasn't the He's not like Zank, who's a bit larger than life. He he was much more. Or Hef. Or, or Hef, yeah. He was much more um withdrawn, very thoughtful about what he said. Yeah. Um, And yeah, very honest as well. He said he appreciated David Wagner's honesty, and you can tell that that's something that he holds, you know, pretty dear to himself because I think he did say that he wasn't at 100% after his injury last week. Uh, he said he's feeling like he's getting towards 100% now, but maybe still isn't. Um, so, yeah, it was refreshing to see a player being so open and honest and um, yeah, and, and one that's obviously enjoying their time in West Yorkshire as well.
0: He seems to have um, picked up on all the, the right things from his time at the club because he echoes a lot of things that the manager say and you can tell when the players speak who's really bought into David Wagner's methods and sort of the ethos of the club at present when they sort of echo that sort of thing. You can tell when somebody's just saying it because they have to say it and when somebody's saying it because they actually believe in it and think they're benefiting from Mm -hmm. it. And he definitely seemed as if he was in the latter camp. Definitely, definitely in that category. You know, he he speaks,
1: again, in this age of football, you get a lot of players and a lot of managers as well who are PR trained. I mean, they all are. Um, But he seemed to really understand the philosophy and it wasn't like sound bites to tick boxes. It was very much like, You know, this is what we believe. This is what I believe. It's what the manager believes, and it's you know what the club believes, and it's what's you know done them well going forward. And it's nice to see he's bought into that, especially you know pretty quickly. He he joined in July, didn't he? Not it wasn't an early move. Um, So yeah, it was it was good to see him enjoying enjoying Huddersfield Town, but also understanding what the club is about. He spoke about the community aspect of it as well. So uh, no. Yeah, was, David Wagner nice talked
0: about the firework event and stuff. He did.
1: He? Yeah, he said. He said, you know, they're professional footballers, but they're still part of the community, and they aim to give back to the community in whatever way possible. Because um, I know he said been, they're still people, and yeah. he said, you know, he, he likes fireworks, and his, <laughs> his, his family like fireworks, so they went to go and see them. And
0: he's been uh, slightly touchy in the past about. Um, the openness of Canal Side. It's not something he's completely against, but he is very much of the opinion that the professional football should be kept separate to the yeah. Nanwichers, um, which I think is only. I on don't the, think anything should be kept <laughs> separate from a Nanwich, especially your mouth. Yeah, um, exactly. But um, you know they've renovated the backside of Canal Side. If that's an appropriate sentence, um, but you know that that massive. Have you ever been? Have you ever been in? Uh, the rear of the training ground. <laughs> it's not getting any better, but the, yeah, yeah.
1: We they used to have the press conference at the beginning of the season. They had to shift where the press conferences happened. Okay, so we used to have to walk through to the back and yeah. into like a it was like a portable office space.
0: Oh right, uh, the, so they had one porta cabins.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But but where it was, it was a it was a classroom for the younger sort of players hmm. to. Understand their position on the pitch and that kind of thing. So that's actually what David Wagner
0: did with the first team when he first came, and he gave them theory-based lessons. Of yeah, how to that, learn. that
1: that would have been where. They'd done <laughs> but now they've got this new space, which is uh, dedicated to uh, to press conferences.
0: Yeah, so um, that's interesting. But yeah, he, he personally oversaw the sort of redevelopment of yeah. that. So because it used to essentially be the the groundsman's shed full of yeah, equipment. Yeah. It just
1: means now. Anyone in the public, I don't think they can go out no, no, to the no. back to see them train because I know David Wagner on Fridays, he does a, a tactical training session where he'll have one team set up like yeah. the other team and the first team who are the players that will play, you know, that to, to show them how it's going to work sort of the day. It's well like a captain's
0: game. run in rugby, essentially. Yes. Uh, where they run through sort of systems and yeah. combinations and things, which is makes sense. Another thing that we haven't really touched on but um, was mentioned in the. In the uh, analysis of the Manchester United game, if I try and get my words out, um, I can't remember who it was that said it. It might have actually been Zanker. I'm not sure, but um, David Wagner told them to break the game down into five minute segments, which is an interesting insight into sort of how he tries to prepare them psychologi- psychologically for games like that, and sort of the way in which he gets his ideas across. Sort mm. of take it in bite sized chunks so that it doesn't feel like it's a a mammoth task, but you know, every five minutes that goes by is another one won and and all that yeah. sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I I can see why he does it, and I think that shows in 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 the press conference today. He said, you know, we can't beat. He said, pretty straight up, Liverpool have better players than us, but we can beat them in other areas. So in terms of determination, um, you know, desire, tackling, and stuff like that, the stuff which doesn't require maybe a level of technical skill which they don't have but Liverpool do. And that I think that reflects in breaking it down into small parts as well. So you break it down into small parts as in desire determination all these things as well as in time as well. So you know if if you go through a game say take Danny Williams who we've been speaking about if if he can win 60% of his 5 minutes and 60% of the other aspects of it you're putting yourself in a good position, and if all the rest of the team do that, you know, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to win the game.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a good way of sort of managing the sort of load ahead of them. Yeah, exactly. And if we talk about Liverpool now, um, yeah. we're back in this timeline. You you'll, you won't have yeah. noticed that. Because, Cheers, doc. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't <laughs> know how I feel about that. Um, you can't be Martin McFly because that's me. Mm. Yeah. I'm not I'm not <laughs> amused with this situation. But if we, if we talk about another team that probably aren't amused with their situation, it's Liverpool. Um, they seem quite vulnerable at the moment, is that fair?
1: Yeah, um defensively they're all over the place. Um obviously they played against Tottenham, who were a very good team last last time out, but it was just simple errors. In in a way, it it's to a greater extent than what Town were doing earlier in that it was individual errors that were costing them, but it seems to be costing Liverpool more or less weekly now Yeah. Um. obviously they smashed Maribor Tam would beat Maribor but yeah I think they're probably Tam would beat Maribor <laughs> and, uh, and yeah and I think you know they just they put all their eggs in one basket in signing Virgil van Dijk and it just didn't happen Um, and they obviously didn't bring anyone else in and Lovren has had back injuries and stuff like that but it's just not really looked at the races this season
0: yeah, it's it's strange because um, there are some parallels between their performance against Tottenham and, and Huddersfield's. Um, I think theirs is far more worrying because, with all due respect, I think they've got loftier ambitions than oh, yeah. Yeah, Huddersfield yeah, yeah. in their out. system. Um, and it's, you know, for Huddersfield to be beaten 4 0 by Tottenham playing well is far different than Liverpool being beaten by. Tottenham at half pace. And it's a Wembley as well, so Tottenham are even better away from home than they are uh, in their temporary accommodation, if you will. Um, what do you think the mentality of Liverpool will be like going into this game? Is it gonna be people often say oh they'll they want to bounce back and show people they're at it and whatnot, but is there gonna be some fear there? Is there still some sort of tenderness, you know, with their fragile mind state because they they're clearly not all, you know. As cohesive as they should be, I think. I think the negativity,
1: although although on the day that there won't be that much negativity, but I think that'll come from the the fans in the build up to it. Um, obviously, the fans aren't very happy with the, the last result against Tottenham, and they, you know, not thrilled with the defensive efforts so far this season. But I think on the day, you know, what Jurgen Klopp does well is motivate players. Uh, he, he also Obviously, brought in this system, which I guess town fans are, you know, reasonably familiar with. Um, but he can really, really motivate players. So I don't, especially coming up against you know best friend and best man David Wagner, I don't think. I don't think any of the Liverpool players will have any worries in their mind. I don't think any of the town players will have any worries in their minds either. Um, and to be honest, I am looking forward to a cracking game because so I think it's going to be a, a good one.
0: The whole Clotworthy Wagner thing is something that has. Uh... In the past denied me because I think it's been brought up when not appropriate. I think yeah. the whole best mates, Wagner's yeah. just...
1: It's a clopped. it's a well-trudged narrative, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and the fact that people are still doing it is, you know, you can tell the person who's not seen much of Huddersfield Town if their introduction includes Jurgen Klopp's name. Yeah. This week is a bad example because obviously that is the narrative. If there's any week where it's inexcu- where it's excusable, sorry, it's this one because obviously that's the, yeah. the natural entry into the game. I actually think it's quite interesting in terms of how they are going to go into it because David Wagner showed a certain degree of pragmatism against Manchester United, um, but against his best mate, I think there's going to be a temptation to go for it. And I think Jurgen Klopp is set up exactly the same way mentally. If you think of the way that, you know, if you play your mate on FIFA or, you you know, a sibling or something, there's a rivalry there. 4-2-4 immediately. Yeah, and exactly. The, there's the same thing with, um, with these two because they're that close. It's not going to be a case so they're happy with a draw. If anything, they'll want to win this game more than any other because next time they have a beer, they want to be able to say it to their mate, "Do you remember that time we came to Anfield and beat you and whatnot?" Do you think that's going to feed into it or not? Because there's a, in the back of my mind, I can see this being three, four, four, five, something daft like that.
1: I, I can see where you're coming from, and and if it was me, I'd do everything in my power to win the game. But being the Premier League, both managers are going to do that anyway. Um, David Wagner will go to Liverpool thinking that he can get a point, possibly even three. Jurgen Klopp will obviously be going for three points at home. I don't think for either of the managers, it'll make it any different that they're coming up against, against their best friend because it's football is a results business. And it's also, it is a job before anything else. And, you know, as as much as you do want to get one up on against your mate, you want the three points more than that. You want, you know, I I can see where you're coming from, and I agree that there's going to be goals in the game, but I don't think it makes it any different for the managers in terms of preparation and in terms of getting their team up for it on the day. I think it should be business as usual for both of them.
0: Yeah, and obviously for the town players, they'll. They'll care less that it's their manager's best mate, and they'll care more that it's their first time going to
1: Anfield. And oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Anfield is a, is a great ground to to go to. It's you know the fans around. Right unless on you're top in the way unless
0: you're in the away end where that the roof cuts off half the pitch for you. Does it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I was quite low down when I was in the away end
0: there, so I could see Yeah, if you sit anywhere trying. towards halfway to the back of that away end, uh, as it was the last time I was there. Um, it's built in such a way that the roof overhangs the pitch and it cuts off the other goal. So if something's happening down one and you literally can't see it. It's a terrible design, but it's an iconic stadium regardless.
1: Yeah, iconic stadium. Fans are on top of you. The atmosphere is always brilliant. So, you know, I don't think Town will need any Ging up from David Wagner, although he'll obviously do his best to... But when when they step out onto that turf and and the crowd are, are singing and you know and you never walk alone is being played and that kind of thing it's you know
0: it'll almost be as good as a John Smith
1: o- almost not quite though
0: um, Liverpool for being serious do have three threats up top uh, not small yeah. ones either uh, that's why even though they are comical in defence they still have threat um,
1: interestingly interestingly they've not. They've scored less goals by this point this season than they did last season.
0: Yeah. They're not taking as many chances as not they are not taking but...
1: them, no. Despite Mo Salah, like are you are Yeah, Mohamed to Salah, they've yeah. got on
0: the right, Coutinho on the left, Firmino in the middle. Uh, it's not a bad attack to have. Yeah,
1: and uh, you've, you've taken Sadio Mane out of that already, so it's just... it was probably
0: the best out of all of them. Yeah, definitely. In all, honestly. Um why they didn't take £150 million for the pierre Coutinho and reinvest that in a proper defensive midfielder and defender, I never know because there'd be a better team for it. But Town are better off that they didn't because uh, it's probably easier to defend against him than it is to not Don't score against... A, Don't say that. He's going to ping one in for 40 yards yeah. now, isn't he? <laughs> um, moving on, swiftly. Apologies if that does happen. Uh, touch what it doesn't. But how do you see Town coping with... That sort of a front line because we saw Lukaku come and be completely nullified. He had Anthony, Anthony Martial, Jesse Lingard on second half, does those matter even in the first half as well. Mkhitaryan, Rashford. Rashford was slightly more dangerous because the pace he was, the way he runs at players is, is fearless. It's almost the sort of naivety of youth. He was the only real dangerous Manchester United player. Their goal came from the probably the only time that. Might, that um. Lukaku got in behind properly and that was only because they managed to actually turn the ball over quickly for once which they just won't be able to do. How do you see town coping with that that forward line?
1: It it's going to be interesting and I think as you said the pace of Marcus Rashford although it didn't cause problems that was where the threat was going to come from really. Yeah. Uh and and the the goal really came from Lukaku Lukaku's pace and get into the ball before the ball get into the byline yeah. sort of thing so I think Mo Salah is going to be the, the big one he's got absolute pace to burn um, so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it especially if he because they like they're so fluid Liverpool's front line that you know he could pop up on the left or the right and if he starts getting joy against Smith or or Lerva, whichever one you know he, he'll just continue to hammer you and, and Liverpool look to try and turn over the ball and get it to him as quick as possible and just let him go So it'll it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a difficult one because when someone's got pace, you don't want to play too high a line because you know if they get behind you, you're done basically because they can they're quick enough to get to the ball before the keeper and and do whatever. But you don't want to drop back and invite Liverpool onto you because they've got players like Philippe Coutinho um, and and Firmino who you know have skill on the ball and can move the ball quickly and pass players. So. Personally I don't know how you would do it. I'd I'd rather play a a higher line and try and like they did last week, keep Jonathan Hogg slightly in front of the back four and just try and close down as much of the space as possible. Push their team so that push themselves together so the the forward's not massively up the pitch, but the defence, you know, just squeeze the space in in between the lines, you know, do what town do and press the ball as quickly as possible, try and turn it over. You know when Coutinho gets a foot on the ball, get into him quickly, like they did it. Showed at Crystal Palace first game of the season. Whenever Wilfred Zaha got on the ball, they didn't foul him, but they just pressed him and pressed him into giving the ball away. Occasionally, there was a foul in there, obviously, but you know that's just going to happen in in football. So that's going to be the way they're going to do it. It's very much easier to say than it is to do against that caliber of player.
0: It was interesting um, how. Tottenham dealt with Salah because it was one. Of, even though he scored, it was one of the quieter games he's had. Yeah. They played a right-footer at left-back because of his tendency to cut inside and Potticino explained it because he said, if we have a player who's coming into his strong side rather than his weak side, it helps us. Um, so I nullify that threat of him when he comes in towards goal on the diagonal. Christopher Lever's not likely to lose his place on the left. Obviously, I'm not suggesting the same trick is done. But it's a it's food for thought for Town to be aware of the fact that both wide men are inverted essentially and will yeah. be coming into their strong side because Coutinho's right footed plays on the left, so left footed players on the right want to sort of be on their strong side and shift that way. So it's going to be one where the both the central defender has to be aware of that coming in on his on his inside shoulder and the. Fullback has to be aware and it's more about showing him down the line than anything else
1: that, I think that's why Jonathan Hogg's going to be very important because the role that he played against Man United and I, I expect Town to sort of play the 4-3-3 again rather than the 4-2-3-1 because yeah. it works so well and I think away from home as well it, it, it's a more solid system
0: you can't really change a team after you beat Manchester United no
1: exactly and I think what Jonathan Hogg for, for the players coming cutting in from the wings as you were saying if Jonathan Hogg's sitting back like pretty much like directly in front of the centre-backs, it allows either him to come and cross, to come across and try and get a foot in when they do cut inside or the centre-back to sort of move forward and try and cut off that pass and Jonathan Og to slip in behind and sort of just take over that position while they're, they've left it. So he will be like key to everything Town do defensively um, and then hopefully when he wins the ball back he can give it to the likes of Aaron Moyer and, and Danny Williams, and they can make things happen quickly going forward because it's it's going to be a high-tempo game and it's going to be about the transition um, and about who can spring quicker than the other on the day, I
0: think. One thing we'll find out about today in the press conference that we've talked about already uh, in this strange multi-layered Podcast across various timelines is the fitness of Elias Kachunga because he went off early against Manchester United. I would actually be more tempted, even if he is fit, to start Vandapara from the start on the right, and uh, not just because he played so well when he came on, but defensively he's excellent. Uh, Tom Hintz on the left, same thing with the wingers because I think that's where their main threat comes from. Firmino down the middle is a good player, very skillful, but he doesn't score that many goals and he doesn't create that many chances for himself. Again, touch wood, I'm not jinxing it here, 2-0 Liverpool, Coutinho for happening. happening. Uh, but essentially, if you cut off his supply line and, and don't give him anyone to play into, that's harder. And I think the main way Town do that is by using their wingers as to drop back as they do usually and double man them and sort of give their full-backs extra protection in the way they do usually, chasing back, covering when needed. Um, and I think the onus is on them, perhaps more than ever, to to do that job. And in a similar way, as you said, that they play to Manchester United, once the ball's turned over, they've got the Poitra who I don't think will be dropped, um, who'll be sitting on halfway. They can break with pace and use him to hold up the ball if needed, play with his back to goal or even chase it down. Their back line, if they're scared, the last thing you want is De Poitra hounding you yeah. around, which he will do. So yeah. there is there are chances there for Huddersfield and there is a clear way for them to defend and organise themselves against Liverpool and I think the the Manchester United game proving that they can do so in sort of a a really uh, sustained and uh, intelligent manner is what is going to help them confidence-wise going into this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree and I, I agree with your point about Rajiv Para. I think he played exceptionally well when he came on against Manchester United, and I feel like against Liverpool, his pace is going to be the asset that you know it's going to be a, a big asset for Town because he can keep up with those sort of players who who might be bombing down the wings, um, especially if he plays in front of in front of Tommy Smith, who's a great defender but
0: not blessed with the rapid pace of of Salah or or Van Noparre even. So he's likely to be playing on the same side as Moreno as well, who. Fairly strong going forward, but positionally is a liability as well. Yeah, so he so. can get in behind him. We saw him take the absolute Michael out of Ashley Young several times, and Moreno's in line for a similar sort of treatment if if Van Nistelrooy's got his head on.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, you completely agree. I, I I think if if Huddersfield Town can keep a clean sheet, which is a massive if, and yeah, you know, I don't think anyone really is expecting them to keep a clean sheet, but no one expects them to beat Man United last weekend. Mm-hmm. But if they if they can keep a clean sheet, I would back town to win because I just I can't see the Liverpool team keeping a clean sheet. So it's it's going to be it's 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 really interestingly poised. Not only with the results last weekend, which make it even more intriguing, but just that Liverpool have such an unbalanced team in terms of going forward. They're superb defensively; they're really shaky. Town's strength is in their defence, but going forward there's been question marks about the amount of goals that they can score. So I think it's perfectly set up to be a really intriguing game and it's going to be interesting. Oh, and add to that the, the Klopp-Wagner thing so they know how each other like to play football. So, yeah, it's it's the match I'm probably most looking forward to this season.
0: The, if we talk about Town in an attacking sense for, for a minute, um, because we've talked about Liverpool's defensive frailties, but if we actually have a look at how that's going to manifest itself on the day. From what I understand, Lovren isn't going to play. There's, he got hooked after half an hour yeah. uh, against Spurs. Uh, he's obviously got back problems. He's been taking cortisone injections, so he's clearly not fully fit. Uh, he's clearly not fully confident, which is probably a bigger problem than his sore back is. Um, but you can't see him getting back into the team after after that um, because, if anything, is. Confidence would be even worse than it was previously. Um, what they're likely to do, rather than play Ragnar Klavan, who has the turning circle of a larger lorry, is put Joe Gomez into central defence, which is his natural position, he should be playing at his position. And then he'll play Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back, who, fairly impressive, but again, a younger player. Mm. So that's a, a reshifted Liverpool defence, who haven't been great already, with Joe Matip as their best defender, and he's not the greatest defender in the world, two young players on the same side, and a left-back who can't defend. There are going to be openings there for Town, as you say. I can't see him keeping a clean sheet, but Town need to be aware of how to attack them. I I personally think, and it's something I wrote in the head-to-head column, is that London Patrick should concentrate on being tight and being physical with Joe Gomez if he plays centrally because he's a good player, but he's a young lad and he's never really been tested in that manner, especially when playing out of position at right back, first game in the centre back. It's it's not just automatic swapping. So if he does put him under pressure, rattles him a little bit, gets his confidence down, maybe leaves a cheeky boot in early on, uh, not saying anything dirty, but, you know, just let him know you're there. Make him think twice the next time it's a 50-50. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, especially with how well Tom Inch is carrying the ball. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a fantastic prospect, but again, not the complete product. Uh, so there are, there are openings there for town, and it's it's fascinating that a team as good as Liverpool have such obvious weaknesses, and they have no real remedy for them. It's just something they have to live with until they can... Recruit because Klopp hadn't shown the ability to coach his way out of the problem as other people may do.
1: Well, I think that the the difficulty for Liverpool comes that it's not. I don't think it's about the coaching or anything like that. It's just the players that he's got. The actual defensively, the, the players that he has has got young guys, and then Lovren, who you know, who's sort of not been the same since he left Southampton. Yeah. And it's it's individual errors, so it's nothing that I think Jurgen Klopp's doing wrong. It's just he's being let down by his players pretty regularly. It's and as well, but because it's because it's individual errors, it's hard for Town to know what to do going forward. Obviously, De Poitre has to do everything you said. I agree with, but it's kind of Town just have to be ready to take advantage of of the error because an error will come at some point. And you've got to be there to, to be able to take full advantage of it and, and be clinical in front of goal. Also, we haven't touched on the goalkeeping issue at, at Liverpool either. Good point. Loris Karius has not been the the answer to the questions that they, they had over Simon Mignolet, who's, who's not... Well, to be honest, I don't even know how he moved to Liverpool anyway because he wasn't that great for, for Sunderland beforehand. Um, and Danny Ward, we all know what he can do, but will he get a chance in front of those two,
0: especially after the money that they've spent on both of them? And so, he's still, still, even though the heroics he had in the penalty shootout, he's still not the complete product. There's still mistakes in him because he's yeah. still learning his craft.
1: So, I, so I would say, just get shots in as much as possible. <laughs> like, well, you know, you say it. It's kind of like a Sunday League thing, like test the keeper out. Yeah. But that's what you need to do. So, hopefully. Town can get a few shots. I know Tom Tom Ince leads the shooting charts. I think without to town. scoring, without scoring, but you know if he can hit the target, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with with the back four that they've
0: got in front of those keepers. Liverpool's a big occasion for the Ince family as well, obviously. Mm. Um, yeah, the goalkeeper one's not one I'd really thought of. It's a strange one because uh, we'd had, you know, it's been good and bad with uh, Lossell. Yeah, so. It, it's a far more extreme version of talent. I mean, he appears to have his head back on now after the Manchester United game. There's nothing really he could have done about the the goal they scored and he made some fantastic late saves and was as strong as he could be in the air. There are a couple of dodgy ones where they came out of his hands, but that was more to do with congested areas and things. Yeah. I don't think Liverpool are going to be that sort of way in the air because they don't have a Lukaku type forward. Either, yeah. No, um, but it's an interesting one. Who do, who do you think will get the nod
1: in goal? I think Mignolet will probably get the nod. Um that doesn't mean that I agree with that decision. Personally, I think they should give Danny Ward a, a go because you know, I think they've stuck by the, those two
0: keepers. I think the Liverpool fans actually want to see Danny Ward play, don't they? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I just think Liverpool have stuck by the two keepers that they've got too too long now and they've not shown enough improvement to be uh to be first choice goalkeepers at, at a club with the money and the stature of Liverpool
0: what would be your score prediction
1: i'm going 2-2 this this week i think it's one of those ones where liverpool could score 12 like they can score loads of goals against anyone on their day but yeah. if town can defend like i know town can defend and liverpool are definitely going to be there to be got out going forward you know i, I think i think
0: 2-2 I, I I've said score draw as well. I'm not sure what it'll be because, as I say, I do have a sneaking suspicion it might be a daft affair, four uh, four or something like that. Um, but we'll we'll see. Really, it's yeah, I agree with you. It's probably one of the most intriguing games of the season because there are so many different factors and narratives, yeah. and it's coming at such a, an important time of the season and everything, in, especially with the the surrounding fixtures to give it context. Both teams had a week off as well. No care about cup for either of them, so they'll have been concentrating on this one. And we know both managers are going to be double training and running through them on the paddock. So it's it's you know as poised as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um. We'll come back and we'll speak about the result on Monday. Not not Monday. Tuesday. I'm not in the office on Monday, so next podcast will be on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. God. And uh, B52 as well. I Forgot to mention this last time. First time I've ever forgotten. It's a disgrace. You're actually getting new beers, aren't you?
1: I've just got them, yeah. How are they? Nine or ten beers from from Kentucky. They're quite nice. Aged in uh, bourbon barrels. I thought you were going to say chicken then. Aged in chicken? Kentucky fried
0: chicken. Uh, Have you had that weird uh, chicken double chicken sandwich thing that they've got oh the
1: double stack or whatever it's called
0: yeah uh, no I haven't it uh, looks like an absolute abomination but there's a real part of me that is tempted yeah, definitely anyway that's a, a conversation for another day B52 <laughs> um, pay for £5.95 postage and yep. then uh, you'd have to pay for the Go to Huddersfield Code is Huddersfield thank you very much for that uh, and I will speak to you on Tuesday yeah see you then.